Principal Matters Podcast, episode 319. Hi, friends. This is Will Parker, host of Principal Matters, the School Leaders Podcast, where each week we bring you innovative, inspiring, and imaginative ideas for your own school leadership. This week, I'm joined again by my co-host, Jen Schwanke. Hi, Will. (laughs) ah, Deputy Superintendent from Dublin Schools and the author of three great books and coming to Oklahoma in February. (laughs) If you missed the last uh, episode, you can always listen back as we talk more about that. But if you're interested in seeing Jen in person at our secondary middle-level conference in Oklahoma, go to ccosa.org and look for conferences and the the, uh, Leadership and Learning Conference, February 8th and 9th. Jen, we're so excited to bring you to Oklahoma. How are things going in Dublin? I know that at the time of this recording, we're actually getting ready for Halloween. So people are probably going to listen to this after Halloween. But you know, Halloween is so interesting because you get to dress up and have fun, but then you also have like kids on sugar. (laughs) Kids on sugar. It's a syndrome in itself. Yes, it is. And you know, there's a lot of, um, we've had a lot of conversations about what, how the role Halloween plays in schools and, you know, shifting to more of a harvest celebration type situation, but there's a lot of fun to be had at any rate. Um, you know, in fall in, in Ohio. And I know many places in where our listeners are, there's a lot of fun things going on in late October. There are, and it's beautiful weather. Yes. I love it. So after all my summer complaining, I get to now rejoice in the fall. Well, this week we're going to talk about tips for seeking a new education position. And I want to give some background on, on the conversation before we jump in, Jen, I have had at least three whether they're emails, phone calls, three different administrative leaders who've reached out to me in the last couple of weeks with, you know, the, the question that a lot of people ask when they're in a position where they're either A, seeing the, the possibility of promotion uh, within their school, or B, looking at the possibility of maybe going to a different place for the, with their leadership, or C, maybe they want to stay in education, but they're looking to step out of leadership and into something different. So there's all those dynamics happening. And I know people who listen to the show are aspiring leaders. They're also present leaders. They're also people outside the principalship. We have a lot of listeners that are are in all of those categories. So I wanted to frame this conversation so that it could be helpful for anyone in, in those positions. But I I have some some things I want to say, Jen, but I, I wanted to, to unpack these with your feedback. And so if you don't mind, I, I have 10 takeaways that I'd like to share with listeners on tips for transitioning um, or seeking a new education position, but we may not get through all of them. And if we don't, uh, we can always do a, s- a separate episode together. So if it's okay with you, Jen, I just want to jump right in. To- Absolutely. Yeah. And when you sent these to me, Will, I was so excited with your number one, because I have an insider tip on this. So you go ahead, explain number yeah. one, and then we'll talk. Yeah. Well, number one is update your resume. And so I, I want to, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, Jen, but if you haven't already updated your resume, um, listeners, you should, because it allows you the opportunity to review your past achievements, to update um, any new accomplishments you've done since the last time you refreshed it. Cause for some of you, it may have been a long time. Um, or if you're, if a new position opens up, this is going to be like the first thing that happens that they're going to want to see your resume. So go ahead and do it now so that that barrier is crossed. 
And, and it also it just gives you some good reminders of the qualifications that you may have as you are trying to think through what that next thing you want to do. So I, I just think that's so important that, that, that if you haven't done that in a while, that, that number one, just do that practical step, update that resume. Jen, what were your thoughts? Well, you stole my thunder. That was what I was going to say. I don't, I, I don't think we always have to update our resume when there's a job we are looking to, to land. I think we should update it for ourselves Mm -hmm. because the resume really shouldn't be for a job. It should be for an employee. And I always, you know, every couple of years I sit down, I pull up my resume and I just add to it. I can always edit later, right? I can always um, cut things that don't apply if I am in fact looking for a new position, but I always feel such a surge of confidence when I take the time to update my own resume. It's like a pat on the back you give yourself and we don't do that enough in education. And so as an example, we might um, lead an initiative. We might create a new program. We might audit something that's really important and make some changes. And if we don't capture that on paper, on a resume, that might be gone from our memory two, three, four years down the road when we're looking at a new position. So mm-hmm. I always feel like your, your resume can be, I mean, it could be six pages long and then edit it down later if you need it, but really capture what you do. Otherwise it might, might be lost and, and your memory can't pull it back in the time that you need it. I think that's so important. And I don't know, Jen, there's lots of competing philosophies on how long resumes should be, <laughs> but um, I like mine to be short and sweet. I usually try to keep what I would call the, the quick glance as a page. Now, sometimes there are organizations that want to see ongoing other professional development you've done, other things like that too. And so you can you can add a lot of pages to your resume. But I know when I'm reviewing resumes, I really like that one pager to be my, my quick glance. What are some thoughts you have on things you should include in that resume? Well, you're right. There's a lot of debate about how long a resume should be. And I have gotten resumes that are a page and I've gotten a resumes that are six pages. Mm-hmm. What I think is the world has changed well from when you and I were first looking for our first teaching job and it, you know, we had to get it down on a page or two. These days we can, we can create a resume with links in it and that, you know, we can get it to one page, but then there can be a digital version that we also share. And that digital version can take you to a website or it can take your own created website, not an outside website, or it can take you to examples of your work. And so the, what that does is it gives the power to the viewer where they can look as deeply as they want or not. But I do think more than ever, brevity is important. Um, you'll want whoever is looking at your resume to feel that you've honored their time and yet there is more information they could find if they do have the time to look. So I'm a one page fan. I, I think my own resume is not one page. I think it's two, but I think we get into um, problems if, if our resumes are, you know, three, four pages, because what that, what that tells someone is that you can't edit, <laughs> that you can't get um, something that you've done into a bulleted line And then you can, you know, you can really talk more about that later in person, or like I said, through a link. Well, I'll throw this out there, Jen. And because talking about resumes, you know, we, you and I could get into the nitty gritties, but to make it easy on listeners, if there's anyone listening and you're like, you know, I I haven't updated my resume in a while. I'd like to, you know, are there some good examples out there? I'm, I would have, I'm happy to share my resume. If someone wants to reach out to me by email at will at williamdparker.com, I can send you a PDF of, of the of of my current resume or if you want to see one that I used 
five years ago when I was uh, still in the principalship. But if, you, if you're looking for a sample, feel free to reach out because there are certain things I think that are important to include in resumes. And But I'm going to tell you that, that not there's not just one way to do a resume. There, I do think you need to make sure that you can summarize what your skills are. You need to make sure you identify what your qualifications are. You need to identify what your leadership capabilities are, where, and then where you have been in the last however many years of your life. And I think that's important chronologically to see that, what your education experiences have been, and then what organizations you've worked with. And I, and I usually just put references available upon request, just because it makes it easier. If someone really wants to know, they'll reach back. And a couple quick tips. If you're not sure what you've done, <laughs> look back on your calendar, go back a year or two and just see what meetings you had, see what initiatives were on your calendar, go through your email. Um, again, because this work is so both work, you know, work of teachers, work of principals, it's so fast paced. And often we do really good work and gather a whole bunch of really important skills, but then, you know, they're embedded within us, but we may not remember to, to brag about them. So mm -hmm. look back at your emails, look at back at your, you know, the files that you might have accrued and see what you did and see how that could be boiled down to a line on the resume. I love it. Well, so just to summarize on your resume area, I think it's so important if you're listening to this right now, don't let your resume be a barrier. Let it be an encourager because here's the thing, Jen, is I think most of us forget that the work that we're doing is something A, that we're qualified for and B, that we've actually accomplished things within that work that qualify us to do other things too. And so there's, it's amazing. I think it was actually someone who was outside of the education community that was talking to me years ago when I was still an assistant principal. And he said, we were just having dinner together. And he said, well, do you realize that you're really good at negotiations? And I was like, what? He's like, like in business, we negotiate contracts all the time. And you are really good at negotiations. Think about how many times you've had to convince a student to do something they didn't want to do. Or did you've had to be able to convince a family why your decision was in the, what's best for their kids? He goes, that's called negotiations. <laughs> and I, I never thought about the fact that I have a skill set that's transferable outside of the work we do in education. So sometimes take a look at what you do within your work, but take a look at it from, from both inside the education sphere, but from those who may be looking at you outside of that as well. Well, and can I add one more thing to that? Mm -hmm. I know we, we want to move beyond resumes, but um, I, I think often about the life I had before I was an educator and I spent about two and a half, three years as a bartender. And I joke, you know, if you can throw a drunk guy out of a bar, you can talk to any angry parent. And, you know, it's funny, but it's true too. So look at any skills that you gathered in previous jobs or in side gigs you have, or what you do, even what a hobby that you do. And what skill does that does that portray in this, in the world of education? So, Will, for you, it was negotiation. You could also frame that as mediation. You know, you have mediated many, many, many conversations mm -hmm. or conflicts between students, between parents, between teachers, you know, between community members, yeah. all those skills, um, don't necessarily have to be ones that you, um, can clearly point to, growing from your classroom or growing from your principal's office. They may be skills that you have gathered in another portion of your life, but they really matter and, and might have a great deal of value for somebody who's hiring. Mm, love it. So principal managers, listeners, whether you're looking to transition or not, it's always a great idea to go back and take a look at your resume, update it. Don't think of it as a chore. Think of it as an opportunity to celebrate and to be reminded of the things you've accomplished. You should be proud of that. Number two 
Um, Jen, I, I would say talk to your leadership. And, and I do want to add a caveat here. I think it's important to talk to your leadership at the appropriate time, because I know it's just just like you and I have said so many times, what might work in my school today may not be exactly what's going to work in your school. And what might work in my experience as a leader may not be the same as what works in everyone else's. So I'm going to make some generalizations that may not apply everywhere because I know some people work in climates that are more hostile than others and some that are more supportive than others. But generally, when the people that you work for are aware of the fact that you um, are eager to grow, that you love what you're doing, but you're always looking for opportunities for growth, then it gives, it, it's it's important for them to recognize that if you're ready for that next thing, if you're interested in that next thing, that they know that you are. I've worked with leaders who have been ready for something new, but they haven't said it out loud. And then when something happens, it's the people who have voiced their interest that, that get the consideration first. And so I have actually seen people who've missed opportunities because the people who are in authority that could have given them the option didn't know because they hadn't said anything. And I know that there's this wrestling match with those who, who want to remain humble. You know, I don't want to be, I don't want to look like I'm looking for an opportunity or I don't want to, you know, I don't want to sound like I'm discontent with my current position, but I, I think there's a power in, um, in communicating the things that you're interested in um, that might be a possibility where you are or within the network that you know too. And I, I have other thoughts to add to this, Jim, but let me pause there. No, I'm, I'm really glad you, you talked about that because sometimes under the guise of humility, we limit ourselves. And I don't think you'd ever need to say, hey boss, I'm looking for a new job. That's not what you say. You talk about yourself and how you've grown and how you're excited to apply those skills in other environments should the opportunity open up. And you know what I used to say a couple of times was, you know, I don't want to retire teaching seventh grade language arts. Not that that's a dis, you know any sort of disrespect for those who do that job for a lifetime. But for me, I I love challenges. I love changes, and I wanted to make sure that there that people who led me knew that I had aspirations. I never had a goal. I never was someone who said I want to be this. I just wanted folks to know that I was willing and open for change. And I'm glad too, that you talked about hostile work environments. I spoke with a a principal in Missouri last weekend, and he was, he's really struggling with, with hostile leadership. And he said, I can't tell my supervisor that I'm looking for a new position because it will get worse. And if I don't get the job, I will be punished. And I just can't work under those circumstances. And I said, you know, to that end, you, you don't, you don't have any sort of obligation to go and make an announcement. If asked, you should always be honest, but, you know, see where the road takes you, see where your journey goes, be smart, um, take care of yourself, but also think about the students and, you know, what, what sort of exit ramp do you want to take and what do you want it to look like? Yeah, that's very wise, Jen. And so let me make sure that we're talking about this (laughs) within two contexts. One, if you're in a position where voicing your um, desire for new opportunities is seen as a threat, then you're probably in a toxic environment, right? which means that you're probably in a place that you want to exit anyway, because, because leaders should have mutual respect for each other's um, ambitions and their dreams and their passions. And obviously um, they, no one wants 
to feel like you're only here for a stepping stone because right. they want to feel like you're invested in this work and that you value this work as essential because that's why you're here. Um, but here's the thing, the leader that you're talking to, if in, assuming here that this is not a toxic environment, the leader that you're talking to had to follow a similar path that you're on right now. So they, they're also someone who probably had similar interests, who wanted to do new things, who sought those opportunities. And so they could also be a bridge for you and helping you understand the lessons they've learned in pursuing that path that might be helpful for the lessons that you're learning. And, um, and, then, and Jen, I've also just, if I have to err on the side of openness versus being closed, I would rather err on the side of a leader knowing what my intentions are and my goals before they hear it from someone else. Right. Because, because when you start having conversations and, and looking at uh, different options, people talk and, and you certainly don't want your leader to feel like you didn't trust them by not letting them know either. So I think there is a point where um, in any environment, you have to decide at what point in a healthy environment, I think that conversation comes really early. Um, in a toxic environment, you, have, you may have to wait till you have all of your ducks in a row before you, before you announce or, or, or begin to communicate. But I do think it's important. Um, don't let that conversation with leadership be the last thing you consider. I think it needs to be something that's considered early in the process. Well, and what you're talking about there is just timeline. Be really smart about your timeline and you, you kind of need to map it out. Look at the outcome. Where do you want to end and how do you want your current leadership to think about you um, as you navigate these next steps? And then you count backwards, you know, when would be a good time to tell my leader, when am I interviewing? What have I done with my resume? Am I just at the beginning stages of thinking about this? You know, map that out in your own mind and then you you have a plan. But I, I'm glad that you mentioned, you know, being erring on the side of honesty and openness because nobody likes to be taken aback by a reference call, for example, from someone that they trusted and thought was there to stay. Yeah. And that's, that's an awful conversation. I've gotten that before, that phone call you know, a reference check where I, I'm, I thought, well, I had no idea this person was leaving. And, mm -hmm. you know, as much as I want to be the leader that says, you know, I want everyone to grow. I want them to follow their path. I will support no matter what, if I'm taken aback, there's some resentment there and it, and it makes me think less of that person. So, you know, toxic environments, notwithstanding, I think that that openness and to take your leader along the journey with you is so important. And here's the other thing. Sometimes if you're open with your leader and they're the kind of person that's going to celebrate you and support you no matter what, it makes you want to stay. <laughs> my, my current superintendent, I mean, I, I love working with him and um, I would, I would feel very, very comfortable telling him if I were going to go anywhere, but I don't want to go anywhere because I'm working with him. Mm -hmm. So having that kind of reciprocal trust and conversation really might help you feel, um, might help influence your decision going forward. Well, let me tell a quick story for Principal Matters listeners, just to put some flesh on these suggestions too, Jen. But when I was an assistant principal um, at my last school, I there was only one high school. So in my position as an AP for nine years, about year seven, I was starting to get that desire to do something different. But moving up with my own district would have required my principal to retire. Mm -hmm. And um, and so I um, did exactly what I'm suggesting. I made it clear to my principal that, hey, I think I'm ready. Been, um, but so I'm going to start looking for opportunities. And if they don't open up, then I mean, I love being here. Um, and I had that same conversation with my superintendent. 
And what that did was it gave me the chance to get my resume ready and start sharing the, the news. And I ended up getting a couple of interviews, actually three interviews at different places and was the finalist, you know, all those kinds of things, but did not get an offer. And so on the one hand, it was so disappointing because I felt so ready. Uh, on the other hand, it built an enormous amount of trust with my leadership that they were with me along the whole process. And because that process took a couple of years when it also my principal decided, you know what, I think it's ready. For, I think I'm ready to retire. Right, Will's, yeah. Will, Will's eager. Will's eager and I'm in, I'm already eligible. What am I waiting for? And so, so all of those dynamics happened so that I ended up being able to apply for the position where in the building I was already being a leader in. And so I, hindsight's 2020. I, I couldn't have looked three years down the road and realized that, oh my gosh, you know, all those disappointments were actually preparing me for this. But having that conversation and being open also made it really aware to my superintendent too, that Will's serious about this. And so when that opportunity does come up, then we need to seriously consider if he's the right fit for this, which in that case is what happened. So, so as you're listening to this principal matters listeners, I know that everyone's scenario is different. And just because that's my story doesn't mean it's, it it will be exactly like that for anyone who's listening, but I do think that's important. Well, Jim, we've only gotten through two. Let's do one. (laughs) And you triggered something that I need to talk about with number four. Please do. Yeah. No, it's number four. I'm waiting. Let's get to three. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So, so let's, let's talk about number three next, which is start connecting with your network. You know, every educator should be a part of some network. And Jen, you and I have uh, talked a lot about networking, you know, whether it's friendships like this, whether it's through the Principal Matters Network, whether it's through your state associations, but all of us know people, whether it's through the universities that we've been a part of, but let your network know when you're looking for something. You can find great ways to network with people um, that you have already built a career with, but most of the opportunities that I've been afforded have been because my friends found out about something and called me and we're like, well, Hey, are you aware of this? Or, Hey, Will, did you know this is opening? Or so it's usually that network that allows, I mean, there are some folks out there that are really lucky that can discover something on their own. But for me, almost always, it's been someone I knew who reached out to me and let me know about an opportunity to consider. Right. And I think this network concept is tricky for teachers to understand, or maybe I should talk about myself as a teacher. I didn't understand the power of a network. The people I spent every day with were, you know, my team that I, that I taught alongside and my colleagues. And as I moved into the principal role, I really saw how powerful a network is not just for job prospects, but for insight and perspective and, you know, calling someone when you have a question you want to talk through, you don't realize it, but you're networking. Mm-hmm. You're, you're getting your name out there to someone who knows you as a help seeker mm-hmm. and knows you as someone who's a thinker and a problem solver. And, you know, every time you work through a problem with a colleague or you call someone in a neighboring district for, for perspective, you're putting your name out there as someone who will do that, <laughs> which is what you want in high level leadership. So it's not necessarily just having a business card in your wallet that you can whip out at a moment's notice. It's about the conversations and the relationships. And I see that at at conferences. I see that locally between districts. And I see it within large districts, too, with teamwork and connections and relationships. Mm. All right. So we've made it through three. Okay. Look at us. (laughs) That's good. Update your resume. Talk with leadership when it's appropriate. Connect with your network. And number four, research your prospects. I'm going to let you go here first, Jen. What are some things that are important about researching your prospects? 
Well, I hear many people say that there's only one path to moving up in education. And I use up very loosely because I don't think education is a hierarchy. I don't think that a teacher is any lower than a principal or a, or a um, coordinator or a director, any of that. I think we're all doing this work in sort of a horizontal line. Now, with that said, I hear a lot of people say the only way to move on from teaching is to be a principal. And the only way to move on from that is to be a superintendent. Mm -hmm. And I really could not disagree more with that. There's so many opportunities in education. And I think it, it mm -hmm. behooves all of us to not only think about um, jobs we really want to do, but jobs we could do well, and also jobs that don't exist yet. Mm -hmm. I've seen a shift in education where roles are not being defined by what they were in 1970. There are different job titles, there's different job categories. And I have seen people evolve into a role that fits them and fits the need of their district. Now, with that said, I'm going to tell you about the tidbit that struck me when we were talking about number two. I think it's important to be very proactive with any licensure you might need in your state. Mm. So I, you know, just personal story, I had no intention of being a superintendent or excuse me, a principal. As a matter of fact, I told people there's no way I would ever do that, but I did want a master's degree. And so I got my master's degree in a licensure program where I had my license. Then when the opportunity came along, it was already there. I wasn't playing catch up. And I tell that to people who, who really enjoy the operations side of a district or really enjoy facilities or, or the money part or the human resources part, research what you need to do to be ready. Should the opportunity open up and, you know, it doesn't have to be that you're hustling or trying to get a license quickly. You could take a, a class every semester or a class, uh, a couple classes a year so that when you research your prospects and when you look into opportunities, you're ready when it does land in your lap. So wise, Jen, and, and you're right. And, you know, I have uh, no intention of becoming a superintendent, um, but I have my superintendent exactly. certification, you know, because exactly. I knew that it was important for me to keep those credentials updated for that in case that next thing required that certification. Um, like in your case, now that you're a deputy superintendent, you know, just being ready for something um, sometimes gives you opportunities, plus the exposure to the training necessary to get those helps you understand your work better exactly. um, as well. And so I think that's, that's so important. So, you know, researching your prospects, um, you know, if you're thinking about a move within your own district, you need to know the demographics and the outcomes and the staff assignments and the leadership structures of the places that you're considering. So maybe you're thinking about a move to another school. Uh, well, it's probably a really good thing to research that school thoroughly before you like look at that opportunity, because sometimes you're going to recognize that every place has its own context, its own political structures, its own working environments. And so it's really important that um, when you are considering places that you determine, is it the right fit? And, and so that's part of, I think, what's important too, Jen, about researching your prospects is the most important question you need to be asking yourself is, is the position or the organization that I'm seeking to look at a change to, does it match my core values of reaching and serving other people? Because man, we can get, things can look flashy and better and greener on the other side. But sometimes if you get under the surface, you realize, ooh, that may not be a place where I really want to show up every day to work. Right. I, I live by two um, mantras and they're kind of conflicting, but mm -hmm but I think they're both true. The first is go where you're wanted. Mm -hmm. 
for anyone who's in an environment where it is toxic or you just can't do it anymore, research those prospects and go where your talents and skills will be highlighted and you mm-hmm. will feel good about yourself every day. I think that it's important that we don't spend, you know, three or four decades being in a place where we are not able to be our best. And then the other thing I follow, and again, it seems conflicting, but it's also true, is bloom where you're planted. I think it's very important wherever you are to do the best that you that you can do and also grow wherever the growth comes to you. So it might be work that you, you aren't necessarily passionate about, but there's learning in everything, right? And that sort of leads us to number five. Well, if you well, want to- Well, you know what on. I'm going to do, Jen? I'm going to pause this. Oh, because, okay. <laughs> because we're, we're coming to the end of our session time here. And I want to, um, I just want to encourage Principal Matters listeners to to listen next week because um, we're going to, we're going to unpack five more tips for people that are considering seeking new education positions. And Jen Schwanke, I have so much fun being in a room with you because oh. <laughs> it's, it's, it, you know, once we just start down a road and we, and neither one of us can stop, but I'm going to exactly. stop us here because I'm going to remind principal matters listeners that um, if, whether you're listening to this and you're that veteran leader who's like, I'm not going anywhere, so maybe this conversation is not really applicable to, to me, or whether you're a new leader, um, what you're doing right now is so important. And whether or not you're looking for a new position or not, you're always interviewing for a new position. People are always considering whether they're going to rely on you, call you, support you, um, um, recommend you, whatever it is. And so when we pull back together, Jen, we're going to talk a little bit more about some other things to keep in mind. And I'm going to give some practical suggestions on ways to kind of um, map some of those ideas that you want to do. But as we as we wrap up, Jen, thank you once again for being a part of this conversation. And Principal Matters listeners, thanks for doing what matters. And we'll talk to you next week. You can find free resources like this one at my website at williamdparker.com.